Valentine's Day, love. What's love got to do with it? Don't worry, I won't sing. I might, I might dance, but I won't sing. Yeah. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. If you grew up in church, you probably memorized that. If you are fairly new, you've heard it. And if you've never been to church before, you've seen the guy with the rainbow fro holding it up in the end zone of a football game. I, maybe I'm dating myself about that. But uh, for God so loved, what, what is love? There's just great confusion today about this idea of love. And once this feeling or emotion or connectedness happens, that nothing gets in the way and everything just flows really beautifully. And uh, does it even matter is one of the questions out there today. Well, it does to me. And I probably relate this love situation best with uh, how I met my wife. Well, she wasn't my wife when I met her, but you get that part. I was raised in Torrance, not too far from here. She was bounced around at high school in Redlands. So two Southern Californians, we finally met each other for the first time in Toronto, Canada. We, uh, she had already been accepted by this organization called World Team, and I was going to check out the organization, and they were going to check me out. And as soon as I noticed that they had a really good-looking single blonde with the organization, my decision-making was made right there. <laughs> well, I, I sat down with her a few times at meals and uh, started chatting with her. And uh, sure seemed like she had that one quality that I was always looking for in a woman. She liked me. I'd never found that before. So I thought, this is a woman worth pursuing. So we spent the week, uh, you know, I was going through meetings and she was busy doing other things. So finally, we met on a Sunday night. So five days later, on Friday afternoon, I sat her down at a picnic table. and I said, all right, we need to talk. So I sat down. So I looked her in the eye and I said, I think you're hot. And uh, I want to pursue a relationship with you. And she really couldn't make eye contact. You know, who is this freak? And uh, so I just started saying, but you know, you're headed, you've joined World Team, and you're headed to Cameroon, West Africa. And I'm a pilot. I'm a bush pilot. And the only place World Team had bush pilots was in Papua, Indonesia. So I said, well, I'd like to start dating you, but I'm headed to Indonesia, and you're headed to Africa. How does that work? And then she shared that she had been on a short-term trip to Papua, Indonesia. Loved it there. But they couldn't find a way, a visa, to get a single gal in there. Whereas for pilots, it was easy because you were serving the people. So she saw, as pursuing a relationship with me, a way to get back to Papua, Indonesia. And I told her, use me. That's fine. <laughs> uh, so as we kind of talked through some of these things, I, I said, all right, I, I need to put my cards on the table. I'd already put a lot out there. But I said, I need to know two things. What's your ring size and how many kids do you want to have? We hadn't gone on a date. We'd known each other for five days. Um, and by the way, her answers were three and four and a half. And later on, when I needed that information, I couldn't remember which was the three and which was four and a half. I, I did get it figure out with some counsel. But so we started dating then and... Uh, and I, I wanted to get some of these questions out of the way. Sometimes when you start dating and then you start 
thinking marriage and pursuing marriage and talking about that, it changes the relationship. It's no longer about getting to know each other. It's about getting through these specific issues you need to work through to go through these certain hoops. And I didn't want that, so I was a bit old school. So we didn't talk marriage till seven months later when I asked her to marry me. She said, yes, foolish decision, but 28 years later, we're still married and God has done some really cool things. In the development of the relationship, though, I, I said, well, I, I think I can commit to her, but is this really the person I want to marry? You know, am I excited about this relationship? What's going to keep us going during the tough times? And then sometimes the excitement and, wow, she's beautiful and look at those beautiful blue eyes. And then I would say, well, you know, where, where's my commitment? Can I really sacrifice and, and serve somebody else for the rest of my life? And meanwhile, other well-meaning Christians would come up and say, look at you all, we're from Southern California and you met in Canada. Oh, God just meant this to be. And you both want to be missionaries. Isn't this cute? Well, you go, well, it was kind of nice advice, but it really wasn't helpful. I still had a decision to make. I felt a responsibility to work through this thing called love. And can I make this commitment to her, this overwhelming lifetime decision? Do I love her? Does she love me? How do I respond? How does she respond? Now, this is an issue faced in all cultures. If you are a follower of Jesus Christ and all that is right and good, you will love the movie Fiddler on the Roof. Do I get an amen? Oh, gosh. We'll have to work on uh, falling in love with Jesus and Fiddler on the Roof. In, the, in, the, in the, this musical, there's this couple who were put together. They didn't meet until their wedding night. There's this Jewish culture in the 1920s in Russia. But now in the movie, they have these daughters who are falling in love and don't want arranged marriages. They want to pursue their own passion. So... After seeing a couple of his daughters run off and, and, and get married. Sorry, just spoiler alert. But he comes home to his wife and he says, Golda, you know, our, our daughters are breaking tradition. They're going to get married. They're, they're falling in love. And then in a heart-wrenching, beautiful song, he turns to her and says, do you love me? And she says, what, do, you love, do I love you? What do, you, what do you mean? They had never said, I love you to each other. Well, then she says, well, you're, you're kind of an old fool. You're listening to the kids, you know, go away, go milk the cows. And he says, no, no, do you love me? And she said, well, I, I clean your house. I, I, I serve you a meal. We, we've had a family together. What kind of weird notion is this? Great song. You got to watch the end. Uh, just watch the whole movie and get right with God. <laughs> but, um, but we live in a culture where we have these expectations of love and connectedness and knowing each other and understanding what, you know, I wasn't marrying my wife simply for convenience. We both want to be missionaries and yeah, we could probably do it better together. There was a whole lot more to it. And I had the ability, we had the ability to say no or yes to this companionship, this relationship, this, this, this love. And God has worked through some difficult times in our lives. And, you know, 28 years later, we're still married. 
I didn't say happily, but no, we're happily married. Uh, again, God's worked through some, some tough things, but I realize that not all of us have that. Some of us here, as Mark shared, we're here, it's Valentine's Day. We see this heart up there. We think, I, I, don't, I don't want any of this. We're, people are single and wanting this relationship with someone else and it's not there. Or maybe you're in a marriage right now that's completely broken and you ache for those days when you were single. Or some of us have been a cause of broken relationships or a broken marriage. Uh, For many, Valentine's Day can be a reminder of past hurts, growing up in the past or even currently. And it's easy to shut down. It's easy to say, well, you know, this, I'm going to just kind of shut off this Valentine's thing. I'll just kind of go to church and connect. And I want to encourage you, don't shut down. As we start to shut down with each other, then we, we start to shut down with God. And we're going to talk today almost exclusively about a love relationship with our God. Tina Turner's song, What's Love Got to Do With It? not going to sing. I'm going to do an interpretive dance. Uh, no, I decided not on that. But the whole song is, but she's been hurt. She and Ike have gone through this horrible stuff. She's a victim of abuse. She breaks away, writes a song. What's love got to do with it? And even one of the lines, who needs a heart when a heart can be broken? Which she's saying, I, I don't want it to be broken. I'm going to protect it. What happens when we do that? C.S. Lewis in his book, The Four Loves, writes this. It's a little bit long, so hang with me. To love at all is to be vulnerable. Love anything and your heart will be wrung and possibly broken. If you want to make sure of keeping your heart intact, you must give it to no one, not even an animal. Wrap it up carefully round with hobbies and little luxuries. Avoid all entanglements. Lock your heart up safe in the casket or coffin of your selfishness. But in that casket, safe, dark, motionless, airless, your heart will change. It will not be broken. It will become unbreakable, impenetrable, irredeemable. You see, to love is to be vulnerable. So as we pursue love relationships, if we've been a part of them, all of us have been hurt. Don't withdraw. Pursue the right thing. Pursue the right person. Pursue a great God. And then point number one is God loves us and desires a relationship with us. So bust out of our casket of selfishness and look at the only true God, the only right person, the only one who's not going to let you down, the only one who is true and right and good 100% of the time. God loves us. And one of the ways we see this is in the verse where he says, this is just unfathomable love. I can't even say that without a drink. Can you all say the word unfathomable? There, thank you. I don't have to preach if you guys do it for me. The verse, Romans 5, 8, God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. 
I don't know if you grasp this, we're in this great cosmic rebellion against our Savior. We're selfish. We've become estranged from the person who created us in his image. We've all sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And God loves us. Not only this kind of fuzzy love, yeah, it's all just kind of flow, nice music in the background. No, God's sacrifice. He demonstrates his love in that he sent his son for us. And that takes us back to our, our, our verse. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son. He was vulnerable. There was sacrifice on God's part. That whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. And because of God's love, we can be reconciled with him. We can't do that on our own. We needed him and the sacrifice of his son. Ladies and gentlemen, if there's anything I communicate today, it's that there is no relationship better than a relationship with God the Father through Jesus Christ. Absolutely everybody else on the planet is going to let you down. There is no notion of this soulmate where you're connected forever and everything's this beautiful uh, relationship. That's pie in the sky. Don't fall for that. Fall for a relationship with God. If you're single, you still may want to get married, but ache and develop that relationship with God. Because if you don't, you're going to be looking to somebody else to fulfill your deepest needs, and they cannot. Only God can do that. And he loves us and he desires a a relationship with us. And for those of us who are raised in a a Baptist home or a Catholic home or some other religion, we're trying to say, okay, God, he's out there and he wants me to do this. And don't smoke, don't chew, don't go with girls that do. Don't do this. Be here at this time. Say yes to these people, no to these people. And you know what? The Bible doesn't say that. It said God loves us and he wants a relationship with us. And I desire to be loved and to know that the God of the universe loves me and I will never get over that. And it's God's word that keeps bringing me back to who he is in this awesome relationship in a world filled with imperfection and imperfect people and my own brokenness. It's great to know that there's a God, the perfect reaching down to the imperfect. It doesn't get any better than that. So, well, you say, well, that's it, right? God loves us and desires a relationship with us. Isn't that cool? Well, next to that line, it's cool, and we're going to develop that. There aren't little spaces, but God loves us and desires a relationship with us. In capital letters, right? So that. There's a reason. There's a direction. He desires a relationship with us so that we respond. We love him and live in relationship with him. Once again, we love him and we don't follow all his commandments and be good little students. We follow him, we love him, and have a relationship with him. Now, why do I keep repeating this? I'm probably going to say it about 47 more times because it's tough for me. It's so easy to get in this ritual. I need to read God's word. I need to be in a small group. I need to do this and minister to these people and reach out and support missionaries. All those things are good. But God wants those things to come out of a relationship with him. 
so that I'm thrilled to come together with broken people on a Sunday morning and worship God and thrilled to share our hearts and aches and pray for each other in a small group. And I'm thrilled to support people going to the ends of the earth because of my relationship with God. Because he loves the world and I want to love the world and and my response is to love him and to love others. How much does God love others? He desires all people to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. He desires we step out of our own selfishness and into his love. He, does, he doesn't force this on us. This isn't universalism where Jesus came and he died so everybody is saved. No, there, there is a response in our part, a relationship with him. In our verse of the day as we walk through this, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. This isn't some exclusive club where some people are out and others are in. Whoever uh, responds, whoever believes. Now, that belief word is a tough word. Now, I'll talk to people and say, oh yeah, I'm a Christian. I haven't been to your church for years I grew up going to church a few times, and, and I'm all right. Yeah, Jesus is God's son, and, you know, we're good. Well, it's not mental assent. And, uh, it actually involves quite a bit more than that. It involves some sacrifice. Any love relationship demands sacrifice, and we've reduced Christianity to agreement with some doctrinal propositions, and ignored the call to radically sacrifice. Wait, how, how did that sneak in there? We're talking about love. It's Valentine's Day. God loves us. We love him. What's this radical sacrifice? If we understand God's love and the sacrifice that he made is sending us, then we'll realize that any love relation demands sacrifice. My marriage does. Our relationship with God does. And it's not just these mental... Now, the mental propositions, the, the, the doctrinal statements, we need those. We didn't even know what is true. What do we believe? What do we hold fast to? But you know what? The Bible says in James that you believe that God is one. You believe Jesus is the Son of God. You do well. Even the demons believe that. They can understand some of those things. But it's not only mental assent. It's this following God with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength. And Scripture even goes beyond that. And Jesus said, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself. Take up his cross daily and follow me. And some of you are saying that sounds a whole lot more like being a slave than it does to a love relationship. If we understand God's love... And God is right and true. And he wants that relationship with us. And we respond. We should want to deny ourselves. We should see that we are the inferior person in this relationship. So the more we deny ourselves, the more we can focus on him and his goodness. And everything he wants for us. And there are things to follow in the commandments for us. Those are made for our benefit. To develop our relationship with God. He can love us unconditionally. We easily get distracted. And, you know, what are we moving forward to? In the Old Testament, I wondered, you know, back in that time, how did they really understand love? And I talked about how we understand love in our culture. 
what's really going on. But this is such an awesome picture of love and passion and commitment in Psalm 42.1. As a deer pants for flowing streams, so pants my soul for you, O God. What a love relationship. Once again, there are guidelines in Christianity, but don't don't let somebody say that Christianity is a bunch of rules and that's probably the biggest misunderstanding about following Jesus Christ. You have to do this, do that, don't do this. It's about a relationship with God. And often, often I'm asked, well, Kevin, well, like how far can I go without sinning? Like, can I do this? Or you know, can, can, I do, can I do that? Or what, what, what is like really bad? What's kind of okay? Where, what, what, where does that question come from? It comes from somebody who sees Christianity as some rules. This is a love relationship. I don't go up and ask my wife, okay, how far away can I get from you in our relationship and my, my serving you to where we still have a relationship? Gentlemen, that's not a good conversation to have on Valentine's Day, okay? Now, why would we say that to somebody we've committed to that we're serving? Why would we say that to God? who is perfect and right and good, and we have this relationship with him, we should love him. Why should we say, well, how far can I get away without really sinning? What a selfish question. But why do we ask that? Well, we see, okay, God, this point number one is God loves us and wants a relationship with us. And point two, okay, I love him, and we have this sort of relationship when I want it, when I think it fits me. No, God desires absolutely all of us. And some of us say, well, God, how, do, how do I love God? He's out there. I can't see him. I can't touch him. How, how can I have a relationship that doesn't fit my whole understanding? Well, we have ways to assess a relationship. And if somebody is trustworthy, none of those have anything to do with seeing that person or touching that person. It has to do with their history and how they interact with others. And we can fall in love with a God even though we can't see him or feel him because we know he is trustworthy, right, and good. If you wrestle with that, there's a great book, Longing to Know, written by a lady named Esther Meek. And she walks through how we can have a deep relationship with a God that we can't see as we contrast that with relationships with people that we can see. So point number one today, God loves us and desires a relationship with us so that we love him and live in relationship with him. And after that, I'm going to have you write those two words after point number two, so that... And some of you are saying, stop. Kevin, I am hurting. We've just talked about this God who loves me. And he knows who I am. And that's so wonderful. And then point number two, that I respond and have a relationship with him. And I'm working on that. And, and we need to develop this relationship. And that's true. None of us have a perfect relationship with God. And we need to keep working at it. But there is still a, a so that. God loves me, I respond to him, but why? And the next point is, so that we, we reach the world with his love. It does not simply stop with us. This isn't just me and God. If we love God, 
if we have that relationship with him, who does God love? God loves us and for God so loved the world. Well, we're part of that. That's kind of cool. But just a little tip. There's 7.3 billion of us out there. God loves the world. His love does not end with us. He loves us so that we reach out and serve others with his love. Point number two, we respond to his love. Point number three has this so that we share this love, reach the world with his love. For by grace you've been saved through faith. Wonderful statement. Not of your own doing. It is the gift of God. Not of a result of works or our works so that no one may boast. For we, followers of Christ, are his workmanship created in Jesus Christ for good works which God prepared beforehand so that, I threw that in there, we should walk in them. Here are these good works where we can step in and honor our great big God. He has created avenues for us to be his hands and feet to a broken world as much as we need Jesus. And we come together on Sundays and we ache and we pray and we sing and we learn. As much as we still need that relationship, how much more to people that don't know him, that are going through some of those same struggles that we are going through. There's a man named Louis Giglio and he has a bunch of videos out there you can YouTube that, and I wish you would, because a lot of them are 10, 12 minutes, not too long. But he loves astronomy, and he reads astronomy magazines, and he researches this, and he, some of his videos show how great our universe is, and it's huge, and the size of these stars that are so monstrous that in comparison, our sun is imperceptible, because these planets are so big that they're seeing and how far they are and how expansive our universe is. We say, wow, what a great, big, awesome God. And he wants a relationship with me and I have a relationship with him. And Louis says, what do we end up doing? Instead of looking up at a great, big, awesome God and worshiping him, we end up turning the telescope around and say, okay, God, here I am. I need you. You know, everything isn't perfect. Where we should be looking at a great big God and looking at what he has already done for us. And yes, we're hurting. And out of our hurts, out of our brokenness, God can still use us to reach a hurting world. As a matter of fact, if you're a follower of Christ, you're automatically a representative of Jesus Christ wherever you go. The scripture uh, mentions that we are like ambassadors. We are now the spokespeople for Jesus Christ. What a great honor. Absolutely. Except most of us are freaked out about that. Well, I don't know. I, I don't think I can do that. If God can use rocks to scream out for him, he can use you. God loves you and wants a relationship with you. When you respond to him, he can use you. Not because you're a great ambassador but because he is a great, awesome God. And we're all worried about, well, I'm not so good, so I'll just kind of keep my mouth shut till I get everything in my life perfect and everything right. No. If we love God, we will love what he loves. And he loves the world. And he doesn't care if you go out and stumble on ministry or make mistakes. He can use our hearts for him as we live in this love relationship. Okay, here's, here's the task. Today, 
Olive Branch is sending about 800 people out in our communities and our schools and our shopping centers to share his good news with the world. Isn't that awesome? That's us going out every week because God is a great big awesome God. Not because we are special in and of ourselves. But once we have that relationship with him, we are forgiven. He sees us as blameless. Even though we still wrestle with our brokenness, he can use us. And apart from reaching here, God loves the world. There's a whole world out there. It doesn't just stop with our neighbor, the person next to us. There are groups that have never heard the gospel before. We can't say, oh yeah, but we're going to wait till everybody in my neighborhood is 100% Christian, 100% out of debt. There's no sin going on in my neighborhood. Then we'll start thinking about the next neighborhood and the world. God does not leave us that option. He says, if you love me, go and make disciples of all nations. But you say, well, I need, I need Sundays. I need to gather together and, and learn and grow. Yes, and we're going to continue to do that. But there's a danger. Danger is learning to work the handheld here. Our goal is to be fishers of men, not keepers of the aquarium. We're on a training ship here. We're not on a cruise ship just for our comfort. And we leave here and we say, oh, I can't wait to get back on that cruise with the other Christians. It's nice to gather together. But we are to be his hands and feet. We need to be learning. And while we do take care of this aquarium, this olive branch setting, it doesn't stop with us. Our tech director, Brian Norwood, Spends a lot of time and energy making sure the lights are right and the sound is right and everything up here is good so our Sunday morning goes smoothly. But he said, Kevin, I want you to understand this. I don't do my job to entertain Christians. I do my job because I want to reach the lost. Amen. So we gather together and thank you, Brian, tech team and volunteers and many others that make this right so we can gather and we can focus on God's message. And hopefully it is a good experience to, to help us move forward into a broken world where out of our brokenness we minister to others. Now, I, I want you to know I like comfort. It's kind of a nice thing. But we don't understand God's love God's sacrificial love if we are not stepping out for him. You say, Kevin, you're always talking about outreach and missions and all this. It's not a separate task. That's the role of the church, and we are the church. This isn't something separate. If we are not caring about our neighbors in the world, then we do not understand what it means to be a follower of Christ. And we certainly don't understand God's sacrificial love for us. We cannot ignore God's command to reach all people groups. He says, go and make disciples of all nations. There are still hundreds of groups that are completely unreached, no believers, unengaged, nobody even planning to go reach them. You say, well, what about near neighbors with them? Well, often it's a weak, immature church. There can be history of fighting between these people groups. We need to be going. We need to be sending. We need to be involved. And some people say, well, 
It is so expensive. It is so risky. It is so dangerous. Friday night here in the the kids' block, we watched a movie called Peace Child where these missionaries went out into a village that just a few years before, a visitor had come into the village and they had taken him in as a friend and then they had killed him and eaten him because they wanted some of his power because they wanted to be more spiritual and strong. And so we watched a movie about people going out. We're sending people out and they'll be about 100 miles from that village where that story took place. Is this a costly venture for us to send people out? Absolutely. Is it risky? Yes, they can go out and be there 10 years with hundreds of thousands of dollars to send them and might not see anybody come to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. We hope that's not true, but we see people who desperately need Jesus. And we feel in some of these cases, the best way to go is for us to send our people. And people say, well, Kevin, there's so many needs right here. Let me teach some of you a word. It's called ethnocentrism. That means when we're focused in on ourselves and our own people, the people who look like us and the people who are near us. And that has no place when God says, when the Bible says God so loved the world. To say, yeah, but he loved America more and we need to focus on America. Well, just in case you might got confused, we are sending almost all of our people out into this area. We are sending very few overseas to live, learn a language, and, uh, and connect with people who need to know Jesus. You know, it's kind of simple. If you're a fisherman, and on one side of the mountain range, there's a lake, and there's very few fish in the lake, but it's crowded with fishermen. Does that sound like a good experience? Lots of fishermen, few fish. Other side of the mountain range, big lake, Lots of fish, very few fishermen. If God called you to be a fisher of men, where would you go? Lake with lots of fish, very few people fishing there. We need to take this analogy and say, okay, what does God have for us? Well, Olive Ranch, as I mentioned, we're sending five people to Papua, Indonesia. We have four of them, two couples studying right now in New York City. We have Christine McMillan here. They're going to be going to reach Muslims who are immigrating to this part of Indonesia. Papua, Indonesia is not very Muslim. It's got a history of actually having more of a Christian influence. But Muslims are moving from Java and other Indonesian islands over to Papua to get some work, to to get away from home and have a chance to develop some business ideas. And the opportunities are growing in this area, Wamana, in Papua. So our team is going to go there and reach these immigrating Muslims. And for years, there's been the, uh, the, the, the Muslims, and for most of Indonesia, despise the people from Papua. They hear the stories of cannibalism. They see how they, they dress or their lack of dress. So the Muslims moving to Papua are not going to listen to the native Papuan people. So we're going to send a team to learn the language make some significant sacrifices and to reach these people that are moving there. What's our role? Is to get involved as a church. Get behind them. Be praying for them. Next month we'll be taking a vision trip to to make some final decisions there. And as they are going out to reach Muslims and making a sacrifice, our role isn't to say, bye, have a good time. Our role is to say, wow, 
Look what they're giving up. Have I been serving God sacrificially? What do I need to do to reach my neighbor? By the way, we're developing uh, some um, block parties. So if you want to do a block party, I will help you fund it. I'll give you some ideas. Talk to me. But look for these ways to get to know people around you. I want to help. I want us to share all this love with other people around us. God's love. Now in this process, we have four people in New York City. We have Christine McMillan. She'll be out in the courtyard. What does it take to send Christine McMillan? Well, one of them, it takes a church. She started attending here when this church was built and her family lived in the neighborhood. There were Sunday school teachers that ministered to Christine as she was growing up. Well, what were they thinking? They were thinking... God loves us and wants a relationship with us. So they teach that to Christine so that Christine responds to, this, responds to this love that God has so that Christine makes these steps to share this love with the world. So thank you, those of you who are involved in training up Christine, whether you are friends or uh, parents of friends or whether you've been in a small group with Christine or any of the others, thank you for playing that role. We all can play a role in reaching the world. Because what's the goal? Not simply that we get closer to God, but that we follow what He wants. You know, it's not just this mental ascent that we're following God. What good is it, my brothers, if someone says, He has faith, but does not have works? Can that faith save him? What if we just say, oh, it's the relationship. I'm stuck, Kevin, on number two. God loves us, has a relationship. I'm stuck on my relationship with God. This is saying, where's your works? Where's the next step? If you really love God, you will be serving others. You will be stepping into these uh, possibilities. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. Notice he doesn't say, if you follow me, if you're going to choose to walk this path, you have to follow my commandments. He said, if you love me. If you have a heart for me, if you are vulnerable, if you have denied yourself and you're ready to follow me, keep my commandments because my commandments will keep you on the right path. My commandments aren't to make it really tough for you. My commandments are to help you to develop this relationship. Jim Elliott understood that. Sixty years ago, Jim Elliott, along with four others, was martyred in the jungles of Ecuador. But before he died, he wrote this where he understood what it meant to love God. And he understood that his salvation and his future was secure. And here's what Jim Elliot said. He is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. He gave his life. Was that a huge sacrifice? Well, for him, yes. His family, yes. God understands sacrifice. He gave his son. What is our response? To fall in love with him. And to fall in love with others. Because Christ died for the world. And you know what? Even in this third point, we reach the world with his love. It ends there, right? No, right after that, write those two words that I love. What two words am I going to write after statement three? So that... We reach the world with his love so that, and you don't have point number four in there, I'm sorry, so that our great God reserves the honor due to him. Because it's all about God. Yes, we step into these good works and we should, but it's not about us. It's all about him. 
Give him that glory that is due him. And you just think of that future and the role we can play as a church in reaching our neighborhoods and sending people out into the world is picturing in the future. And they sang a new song saying, Worthy are you to take the scroll and to open its seals. For you, Christ, were slain, and by your blood you ransomed people for God from every tribe and language and people and nation. People need to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. There are many places in the world where they have no opportunity to hear. If we love God, if we have his heart for the world and for the nations, we cannot ignore that. David Platt is head of the Southern Baptist Missions Organization, and he's wrestling with all the people that he sees, even in the organization that are stuck on point number two. It's a relationship with me and God. And he says, be careful. We are settling for a Christianity that revolves, revolves around catering to ourselves when the central message of Christianity is actually about abandoning ourselves. Tough message. But what's he saying? Fall in love with God. Abandon yourself. And reach out and serve him. In summary, God loves us. So that we respond to his love. And in that relationship, out of that relationship, so that we reach the world, our neighborhood and the world with his love. So that our great God receives the honor and do him. What does love have to do with it? Absolutely everything. It's about a great big God who loved first and we respond and out of that response we share that. I song, a song we talked about, how can I not freely share that? I pray we go out from here ready to share. And if you don't, I want you to fall in love more with God and love those whom he loves.